Hello and welcome, my name is Rob Wong and this is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create sexy connection while keeping it authentic. Welcome to Dating Smash, honest attraction for clever humans! Hey, welcome back, my name is Rob Wong and this is the latest episode of Dating Smash. With me today, I have my good friend Megan Garakian. Yeah. Oh, dang, I got it. <laughs> um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, Megan? Um, I am 33 and I'm a real estate broker in Southern California, which is fantastic. And um, I base my business on connections with people versus numbers. Connections with people versus numbers. Real estate is a lot about numbers, money, and I don't focus on that. I focus on connecting with people imagine that which is one of many many reasons why we wanted you on this show so badly um because i think there there is the potential to take dating from that that point of view where it's like hey i'll just run a numbers game i'll approach as many people as possible and one of these motherfuckers is going to be a match (laughs) (laughs) and and i think that's a very unsatisfying way of approaching it Uh, in life in general in dating um Something, it doesn't add up. Yeah, it doesn't add up. (laughs) So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, what is it that you do that's different from the usual approach? Um, Real estate, when we're talking about my job or connecting with people, um, real estate is about assisting somebody with their most valuable asset, usually in a time where they're having a significant life change, uh, new job, divorce, getting married, having a baby, parents, elderly parents moving in, um, all the kids have left and now you're downsizing, all of these are significant life changes and I connect with people uh, and build trust with people because they are truly entrusted me with the most valuable asset they have. Right. And in some cases, like especially in Southern California, we're talking about like a million dollars for an apartment and it just goes up from there. So truly like kind of an amazing skill. How how would you recommend the average person take this and apply that to their dating lives or to their relationships? Um, I think it is about finding connection um, and building rapport uh on any level like with anything i think we're all humans and we all have something to connect with and approaching a first date or second date any date really interaction on some dating app um coming to the table with zero judgment so (laughs) so like if if he hasn't left the country for the last two years zero judgment if he, you know, thinks that Betty White is like super hot for an old lady, which she is, but like <laughs> zero judgment, right? Like just coming to the table with no judgment and really looking at different ways that you could connect because um, dating doesn't have to be one and done. Like we're not a match and we never have to see each other again. Dating can also be a way to build your social circle, to be enriched by other people, even if it's not, we're going to get married and this is a match. Mm, yeah, that's, that is tremendous, actually. And I think that's something that I, I used to miss a lot, too, when I was dating. It's, it's that, hey, like, this date was horrible, and, and I could probably still be friends with this person. Like, in terms of partners, this is not a match, but in terms of friendships, maybe. And I think what most people forget is that 
like a lot of relationships start from the friend that I met through another friend. It's like it's much harder, I think, to just find someone completely unconnected from me, and then to successfully date them online. But if I can introduce to someone, that's like that's a win for me. Well, referrals are the best form of business. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, do I have this database of gentlemen that like are not a match for me, but could potentially be a match for one of my girlfriends? Yeah. You know. I got that. I got that. <laughs> Referral business is the best business. <laughs> Referral business is the best business. <laughs> so I think I think what I'd like to explore too is uh, you'd mentioned building rapport earlier. What what state of mind are you in when you're building rapport with someone? Like how would you go about teaching someone to do that? Uh, like I said, no judgment to the table. Um, listening, truly listening to somebody, and always asking questions. That's it. Digging deeper, asking questions. Um, I think there's this, there's a lot of expectations in dating. And sometimes the expectations are, you have an expectation, but you're not necessarily bringing that to the table. Um, So I go on a date and I want the guy that asked me all questions and be interested in me, but am I interested in him and asking questions or am I talking the entire time? Like, what are you bringing to the table and is it balanced in a sense, right? Or um, you may only be into people who are like, have like a CrossFit type body, but like, are you taking care of yourself and going to the gym too? Or is it, it just has to be balanced in a sense um, where expectations are accurate to what your output is. So with bringing in rapport and connecting with people, like I said, come and ask questions, dig deeper, find out who they really are and what their motivations are behind something. And the more you're interested in them, the more they become interested in you. Hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, um, especially just given the way the human brain's wired. If it's like very apparent that I'm like super nervous and jittery, this interview becomes really, really awkward, like super fast. Like this is like, I feel weird and I don't know why. And it's because our, our mirror neurons cause us to just pick up on whatever the other person's feeling. Um, and so, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. If I'm coming to the table with this energy of like, oh, fuck yeah, this is a date. And like, I'm so excited to meet this human and I want to find out more about this human. Uh, how much more likely are they to go through and do the same thing? But I think in a lot of senses, um, when you're doing that, you're opening up the door for them to do the same. And they might not, but it's, their odds of going through with that behavior are way, way higher than if we just kind of like got like cross-armed and crossed our legs and got real reserved with it and waited for the other person to like, hey, show me your best shot. Really, really <laughs> dig out my personality here. There's, um, it is, it's very much how our brains work. We like to be in alignment with other humans. Um, there's an experiment that you could do with babies where if a baby's smiling and you frown at them, they pretty much instantly cry. Hmm. Or if a baby's crying and you keep smiling at them, they start to get out of their crying and temper tantrum. It's like a mirror thing where they want to be in alignment with whatever you're at. And I'm not saying go out and make babies cry. (laughs) 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 But it, it starts like from birth, we are meant to be in alignment with other humans. Mm, that is really reminding me of a couple of things, but I think the most relevant one is something that I've just forgotten. Hang on, let me let me <laughs> dig this up. <laughs> Hold on. 
it's oh right yes okay so i remember now and um it, it's this like if if i'm in a conversation with another human being and i am not smiling but i'm just like blank faced um there is data that points towards that being like a signal of distress for other humans um i think there's a level of uncertainty in that because it's like okay i don't know what this person is thinking so then it just kind of sets off our fight or flight response so if I am stone faced the entire time in our conversation, which I'm really likely to do, like my default mood is like dead serious. Like resting stone face? Yeah, like someone <laughs> just died and I'm so serious about it. And and I've recently come to discover that is not what you want to bring to the table at all. Like I granted, like I think I think there's the, it's easy to take this the other way and try to be like relentlessly positive the entire time which is something I, I used to do the creeper smile also feels creepy yeah exactly because <laughs> it's not in alignment but 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 i also realized i had a choice i could be serious and and therefore the date would feel serious and i would not feel connection or or i could take it from the angle of fun and actually enjoy myself and maybe not freak out my date within the first two three minutes of meeting her yeah i think come to it unattached right like you it's it's new, it's discovery, and like uh, surprises can happen. Like you never know really what's gonna happen. And coming into that with that fun, lighthearted, like let's just see what happens type of attitude. <laughs> um, and like I said, zero expectations, zero judgment. Just like let's go and see what happens. And maybe it's a match. Maybe I make a new friend. Maybe I figure out what I absolutely do not want. Like there's so many possibilities that could happen in that. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Now, that actually brings me to another another question that I had, because I know for many people, um, coming into the dating scene unattached can be very difficult. Um, certainly for me, I had my own baggage from relationships. I had the stuff that I would get frustrated with easily. Wait, people have baggage? <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah, new learnings today. So how how does one get into that. I sound so pretentious when I say that. How do you get into that space of, hey, I, I'm coming at this from no expectations? Um, I think that there, how do you say this? There are, there are expectations in the sense of, um, you know, somebody who shows up to a date and is clean, has clothes on, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like this base level of expectations that we all have. That's fair. Uh, I guess that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I think when you start thinking about the other expectations um, that maybe stereotypical expectations that women have about like um, the guy pays for the date and he pulls out my chair and opens my door um, and all of those types of things, I think drop those and just be present to what that person has and is offering as a human. I, if he doesn't pull out his chair for me, totally fine. If he's rude to the waiter or the waitress, not fine. Like some of these things are more about a person's core character than like physical things that they're doing. Mm. Um, Oh, yes. As someone who interacts with... Uh, oops, I just keep kicking this table. That's not, not good for the recording. But as someone who interacts with people and for a living, like I think I imagine that just over time you've encountered dozens and dozens and dozens or hundreds and hundreds of people. So you have a lot of insight into this. 
what are some red flags that you look for? Um, red flags. Uh, men who are mean to their mothers or their sisters. <laughs> <laughs> um, or people in general, right? Like, um, this is probably going to sound like a silly one, but if my dog doesn't like you, that's like a... I'm probably not going to like you. Mm. Like, <laughs> Like animals are running from you <laughs> or growling at you, you got some energy shifting that you need to do. <laughs> That's really interesting. I feel like my challenge to that situation is that ever since I got cats, Animals are super interested in me, like super interested. Maybe I that's think just maybe you're it's because I. Human. It could. It could. <laughs> or your bait of some sort. <laughs> it could be. Or it could be that I have cats and they're like, "Oh, what? What is this human? And why does he smell like felines?" I'm not sure. I, I feel like I might be cheating that rule right now. No, but I think it's um like an energy thing, right? Like, you know, like dogs know the difference between a guest in a house and somebody trying to rob your house. So in that sense um hmm. that's a really good point um did you ever hear about like there's like hans the counting horse has that ever occurred no. in, in, okay this is this you might like find a horse who does math yeah, yeah yeah okay got it okay so you have heard of this <laughs> yes one. okay so uh for the people that don't know about this there was a horse where like people would come to the owner and be like, oh, what's eight plus nine? And then the horse would be like stamping on the ground eight plus nine times, which would be 17, 17 times. Um, what was interesting was that the horse, whenever the owner didn't know the answer, the horse didn't know the answer. And so what they, they later learned was that the horse didn't know math, it knew its owner really, really well. Yeah. It was watching for signs that the owner was relieved. And as soon as the owner was relieved because it got the right answer, it would stop stamping and then it would get the sugar cube or whatever it is yeah, you feed the rewards, horses. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe this is where the, the pet thing is coming. I Why? think so. I think the pets read um, your body language on a minute level. Um, I think also in the case of dogs or cats, their sense of smell is certainly greater than ours. So the chemical changes that occur in your body when um, you're stressed, or sad, or off put in some way is something that they pick up on um, and you are their family so they're going to show something <laughs> some type of hey this isn't okay or hey this is great got that so yeah if anyone wants to borrow one or two cats for their future <laughs> dates you can definitely hit me up you have uh, my contact info yeah but to me it's like that i guess that would be a red flag like if they don't like animal now there's one thing you have allergies that's one thing but like if you have like a hatred towards animals or something like that that would be a red flag for me yeah. um what else i don't know if there's any i think as ex as you age expectations change um certainly what i was looking for in my 20s is not what i'm looking for in my 30s Ooh, could you go more into that <laughs> um so i think in my 20s i wasn't necessarily looking for somebody to like get married and like have babies with or any of that i was like looking more for entertainment Ooh, Ooh. that was saucy <laughs> um entertainment like you know who is offering me some social connectedness in some way um who can you have fun with because you're in school and like you're still trying to figure yourself out and what you like and what you don't like and it's all just exploring and fun 
Yeah, I, I think that's a disconnect like that happens between men and women because I think there's this assumption that men are only looking to like bang and date as many women as possible yeah. and that women are like, I want a relationship when in reality it seems like both men and women go through that phase of like, I need to have fun and not be tied down. Yeah, I think, um, not to say that you can't find the love of your life when you're 20, but I think keep that in mind of where you are at in like your progression of age, right? Like I am only 20. And so to take things a little less serious, and I'm not saying go out and hoe, <laughs> but you know, I think there's a lot of 20 year olds who are devastated when they break up with somebody. And I'm like, you're 20, <laughs> chill out. There are plenty, you still have plenty of time to like, figure out what you actually want you know and there's this I think when people go through a breakup there's and it feels that horrible it's like are you really seeing the reality of why you broke up that person was not perfect for you and you probably were not perfect for them and that's what happened mm. it wasn't about anything wrong with you or them or anything but you're caught in that discovery you don't know what you want yet you're still discovering yeah, I can think of a couple of relationships where in my head it was like, oh, they were the one that got away. But then now that I've grown a little bit more and I've gotten a different perspective on it, it was like, nope, I just wasn't ready for that relationship. Yep. I didn't have the communication skills. I didn't know how to resolve conflict. I was like getting angry for some reason for like that I couldn't figure out. And I just wouldn't have been able to hang. And I think it's real easy, at least for me, to get stuck in my own head about like what might have been. But know this, if you are in that space, there's, there is a reason why the breakup happened. It's going to become clear to you later on. And in the meantime, just trust that you will find another relationship and grow from it and become a better person. It will happen. Yeah. A, a breakup to me is a signal to start focusing on yourself <laughs> and to start figuring it out for yourself um, so that you're not bringing that relationship into your next one you're leaving that baggage <laughs> behind and um, you're able to come to the next relationship like the stronger, better version of yourself, more clear. Yeah, and, and that's biologically rooted too. When we go through a breakup, it is like a trauma. A lot of us fall into like a depression. There's a withdrawing and like not wanting to be around other people. A lot of introspection and playing out the what if in our heads. Um, and science has found that's actually a protective thing. We are mm -hmm. looking for the thing that we did where that caused all this pain to come and be inflicted on us. And I think it's so critical that you brought this up, like taking time to reflect after the relationship in terms of what, did, what can I do to take ownership of my part? And, and really critical, I think, and you'll probably agree with me here, not to blame yourself or make yourself responsible for it, but just like, hey, like, can I own this bit? What did I do to bring this into my life? Yeah. And I would let go of the fact that it's going to be one particular thing that caused the breakup. Like, if this one thing changed, then we wouldn't have gone down this path, right? <laughs> it's never that way. Both people always contribute to a relationship working or not working. And that's where you take the time to really look at yourself and not get down on yourself, but look at yourself and see the areas in which you would like to improve or elevate so that you can 
come correct to the next relationship. There, there, <laughs> it was like a head bobble. There was almost a triple snap. Didn't quite make it to the triple snap. Best come correct. So I, I think that brings a question to my mind in that, um, and I don't know if that's even really related to what was going on previously, but it, it really makes me wonder, is there something that you would like to see more of from men? Yeah, yeah, you, you've sent me some like choice <laughs> images of what, what is happening online and it's mostly like, hey girl, you want to see my penis? <laughs> yes. And obviously that is not meeting expectations. What is what is the female expectation there? How would you like to be communicated with? I think there is two things. One, set expectations. Am I just here on this app for hookups? Or am I here to like actually find somebody that I want to like get married and have children with? get married and not have children with like like I said as we progress in age there's this your needs and your desires change for what you're looking for in a mate um and while that's hard to contribute or put everything into a tiny online profile of everything they want that everyone they need um set expectations up front um I'm appreciative because some of the profiles I see the guys are like, look, I'm not looking for anything long-term at all. I want somebody who is fun and is going to travel with me, but like we are not going to be exclusive. That is appreciated. Very clear on what their expectations are. That, I can choose whether I'm in alignment with that or not before I proceed to have a conversation with them. Got um, that. So, right? so like if you're filling out your online profile, be honest. <laughs> what you're looking for. <laughs> That's a really big one, I think, because there are a lot of, it's very tempting, I think, as men to come to the table and try to be like, I can be everything to this person. I'll try to bend and contort to what they want. It's fine. Like, I'll just try to be as attractive as possible. When, when what really counts, what really actually helps in those situations, and as Megan was saying, is like, hey, how do I express what I'm actually after? How do I communicate clearly? These are the things that I'm looking for because that saves so much pain and chasing your own tail in the long run. One of the things that I found that women are especially good at sniffing out is inconsistency, incongruency. So if I say that I'm a person that loves to run and then she's like, oh yeah, let, let's go for a run, let's run a 5k sometime, it's going to show in my face whether or not I really, really want to be with this girl. If she asks me that question, there's going to be like a few micro expressions of upset that show up in my communication, letting her know that, hey, I'm not actually into running. And that, I think, is also another big red flag. Not to make a generalization, but women tend to be more intuitive than men. <laughs> and so we are natural lie detectors. Not to say you can't slip one by us, but we, with... Um, with the experience that a lot of women have had, we are, we are natural lie detectors. We are searching for, is this person honest? 
And that is something, I mean, that goes on men too, you know, if they've ever had a girlfriend cheat on them, for sure they're coming to the table, is this person in front of me genuine and honest? Um, and I think too, when it's, the most attractive thing is being honest and putting that out there. Like I said, I'm appreciative when a profile says exactly what that person wants in sense of a relationship. Like, I'm only here for hookups. Sweet. I know that that is not the person for me, but that may be the person for somebody else who is looking for hookups. Yeah, there's like a certain level of like honor and <clears throat> and, and, and respect in owning that. Uh, I think rather than trying to hide it, squirrel it away, and then reveal it like two months in when, when it feels like they're... And I think this is a temptation. It's very safe. It's very easy to do. A lot of people do this, but it's like... I'll wait until like three or four months into a relationship or into dating someone and then I'll spring like where I'm actually at on them. And that, that one is for sure going to backfire. Like it's very, very hard to transition a relationship that is built on other expectations into something else. So if, if she was under the impression that I am looking for a monogamous relationship with someone and then I'm like two months in, it's like, girl, I want to see other girls. Like <laughs> that's going to be a fight. Yeah. Well, and I think you know when you like what the thing that comes to mind as i relate this to business is like when you look at somebody who's like a boss right they know what they want and they're upfront about it and you know going into like to relate this to real estate if you want to sell your home you got all of this money on the line and then all of a sudden you change your mind there's a lot of like contract and consequences to that um and the same it's the same thing there are a lot of consequences to that emotionally mentally for both people i mean if you aren't up front then you're the one who has to have that difficult conversation right to clear things up and on the reverse end you're the one receiving that thinking like why did i even waste my time with this because that was not what was the expectation and i was unaware yeah and I'm hearing on the flip side, even that this like knowing what you want is an attractive trait. So it, it like it pays off to be communicative about this in the upfront. Yeah. Got that. Be a boss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. Get better at dating. Just be a boss. Just be a boss. Uh, yeah, and I think too that my understanding is men tend to be very visual creatures. Um, and women aren't necessarily visual. They are more about emotional connection. Um, mm -hmm. So in my adventures and online dating, this is where we are out of alignment. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, go, go on a little bit more about that, please. Um, so I think chatting back and forth, right? And they instantly want some type of um, nipple shot or <laughs> send me a naked picture because there legitimately was a profile that was like, in order to be more um, connected to you, I need to have a naked picture of you. Which was like so counterintuitive <laughs> to how I think because I think girls who or girls or guys, right? You say, um, sleep with each other on the first date. Totally fine, zero judgment about it. But I think that there is this feeling of being more connected and knowing each other more than you actually really do when you go and do that. And so coming out of that situation, there 
it's like this gap in knowledge that you have about each other where you physically got together and now you know each other that way but you don't necessarily know all of the other things mm -hmm. that you shouldn't you'd want to know about a person yeah and i think that's where things get really tricky like on one hand yeah sex is awesome but on the other hand um a lot of people including myself have used sex as a means of like repairing the relationship when there are fights of getting through things and sweeping them under the rug so instead of like hey let's hash it out it's like hey let's bang and feel better about it and this will never get addressed and that's why a lot of couples will usually break up around like the six well, well, six months is usually when the honeymoon period starts to fade out for a lot of people, but it could be as far as two years. And once those happy chemicals go away, like your brain is flooded with all this dopamine and I think it's epinephrine. So like hyper-focused on this other person. Once all of that goes away, all of a sudden we're left with problems that sex cannot solve, which is one of the reasons why I really resonate with what you just shared. It's like, hey, like sex is fine, but also, get a sense for who this person is because if sex is the answer to the conflict fucked up things are going to happen in the relationship <laughs> down the road um yeah i mean but the same thing goes before you're even in a relationship like how do you even know that this is somebody who is a match for you if you're getting you're allowing that type of physical connectedness to happen and then you have a misconception of how connected you truly are hmm yeah right yeah that no that's true like i feel like i'm so connected to this person because i slept with them but like do i really know what do i really know about them do you know their last name <laughs> <laughs> mine's Wong. <laughs> do you know you know yeah. what do you truly know about them and what is the danger in that because i think for a lot of a lot of men they're not concerned about that i know that women are very cognizant of that for the most part the danger is, is that you go in thinking that you're connected to this person, that this person is a match, when in reality they may not be because you didn't take the time to actually get to know them. And right. I get it, like hormones take over, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you went out for drinks, I got it. <laughs> Things happen. But it's just something to consider that if that is the way that the date went, to take a step back and like really take the time to ask the questions and connect with that person um, on a more mental, emotional level so that you can like essentially fill in the gap versus continuing a relationship and the gap never gets filled in. Got that. Do you have a favorite go-to question when it comes to filling in that gap? I ask questions and then usually I ask a question about the question or about their answer. Not necessarily questioning them, mm -hmm. but um, more along the lines of tell me more about that. Mm. Can we play this out? Like, if yeah. We, okay. okay. <laughs> so, what should I talk about? Uh, actually, yeah. Why don't Why don't we just have it so you start off with a question and we'll play it out the way that it feels intuitive. Got it. Uh, so, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I uh, I teach people how to make dating suck less. I coach people through the ways that they blindside themselves like the little hidden parts of our mental processes that cause our life to be filled with frustration and unnecessary suffering i help unshackle people from that and i also want a little bit of marketing oh just a little bit yeah, of marketing a little bit of marketing awesome um so tell me more about the marketing hmm 
Marketing was something that I got into because at the time I was really into psychology, but I was afraid that if I got into therapy or got my like PsyD, became a psychiatrist, I'd eventually stop caring about people because yeah, I was worried that it would just become work. Oh, like you'd become numb to it? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just burned out. That's awesome. I feel like from what you told me, your um, making dating suck less is a balance to your marketing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're onto something there. It feels like it's the part of me, like, the, like two reasons why I pursued psychology. One, of course, to get paid. And the other is I want to be able to help. And that would be the other side, I think. Can you tell me a little bit more about helping people? Mm, I see what you're doing. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Okay. So, okay, let me see if I can break this down then. It feels like to me there are, there's some, there's some level of listening skills here where you are coming back, playing back a little bit of what I said, helping reestablish that you are listening to me. There are some open-ended questions, stuff that is not just yes or no, uh, so that there is a wider playing field to explore. You're not doing as much of the talking, um, which back from when I was learning attraction and like social dynamics, that that tends to occur as the other person investing more in the conversation. So they're getting more trust out of it as well. Yeah, I think too, my, and this is what works um, very well for me successfully in real estate. Um, and then transfers also over to any other interaction I have outside of business is most people say things um, and they can give you a surface answer, but there's an emotional reason on why they gave you that answer, mm. right? So in this particular sample conversation, um, we dug down far enough into marketing and psychology that really you want to help people. Now, I could have taken that for even one step further in how do you feel when you've helped someone? Yeah, that's like drugs, for sure. It's like drugs. So, yeah. could you give me like a one, a one word, one or two word reason on why you help people? <laughs> how you feel? Complete, I think, is the answer. So, Rob is not in marketing and coaching um, because of the money or because he was interested in psychology or any of that. It's because it gives him a sense of being complete, which is so much deeper and so much more attractive of a conversation and interaction with a human than like, oh, cool, you're in marketing. Next. Yeah. Boom. Masterclass. <laughs> Masterclass in rapport building and conversation. Gentlemen, take notes. Ladies, too. This is a really, really important skill. Um, some of that stuff happened kind of quick, um, but feel free to rewind and replay that. Um, this that in, in that like short maybe like 30 to 40 seconds uh she covered off on five or six different techniques well worth revisiting i'm seeing that we're coming close on time as well so i think i'd like to close it out with if you had one bit of advice to give to our listeners or even just to like the past version of you back when you were like young foolish and dating what would you what would you say uh being authentic and vulnerable and the best version of yourself is the most attractive thing that you could possibly be <laughs> amen <laughs>
All right, y'all, thank you for tuning in. Um, it's been wonderful having you on, Megan. Looking forward to maybe another interview down the road. I feel like there's still more untapped wisdom there. Adventures in dating, and for sure we'll record back. Adventures in dating. <laughs> All right, take care, y'all, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Dating Smash.